Good morning, good morning, good morning. Well, like Marcy said, uh, Summer Splash was really fun on Wednesday night. It was just a great opportunity for us to care for our community, give them a safe place to come and hang out. And I will just say that there are some hidden um, sneaky people in this room uh, in our church. And it was really fun to see um, all the, even the adults really get into it. I mean, we had those squirter things, they're dollar store you, where you stick it in and you pull out, and it puts in about... I don't know, about what, how much, about a quart of water into that, maybe a little bit less. And then as fast as you can push that thing out is a stream of, I would like to call living water, but it's just wet. <laughs> and I'm standing there and all of a sudden, starting from about my hip, right up into my ear, and I turned around and it was Pastor Marcy. And, and then it was game on after that. Um, and just... I think most of the kids were done, and so then it was just the adults. And where's uh, our host, who's so so polite, so courteous to everybody? She's Andrea's grabbing the thing and spraying everybody at the very end. That's what I'm saying. And then I, so I'm escaping from, I'm running, literally running from Pastor Marcy, um, one of the one of our kids, Tanner, who enjoyed getting me wet, and my wife Heather. And I come running around this kind of spot just when I think I'm getting, getting clear and I get to right to about this point, straight in the face. And I expected it to stop because it's just one squirt. It didn't stop because it's Krista standing there with a the hose right on me. So it was uh, one of those perfect, let's get the pastor. This is, it's legal. We could get him. Um, I had promised, I am a man of my word, I, I promised that I would get in the dunk tank, um, and I did. Um, and let me tell you a little bit about it. For, by the way, Tony, thank you. Tony drove all the way up to Seattle, picked it up, drove it all the way back, helped us set it up, drove it back up to the next day. The dunk tank actually was pretty much the life of the party. So I said I would go in the dunk tank. I got dunked one time. And then the kids were begging to go in. I'm like, sure. And then we had, by the end of the night... 20 kids in line to be dunked. And the fun thing about that, it was the parents throwing the softballs to dunk their own kids. <laughs> parents and grandparents dunking their own kids and grandkids. It was glorious. It was awesome. So I got on the, so I sat in first, and I'll just tell you, I, who is, anybody done, done, been in the dunk tank before? Anybody? So a few of you. It's, when you're sitting on that thing and they're throwing, the anticipation um, I don't really like that, I found out. And so, um, I, so I, kind of subtly I was eating, and then I said, I'm just going to walk over there. I walked over there, and I look up, and the first guy who has softballs in their hand is my son, <laughs> who happens to be here today. So I owe you a dollar. So I always say if I talk about him, then I owe him a dollar. Um, and so I said, okay, this is going to go quick. And so he throws it, and it hits it, and I don't go down. I'm like, all right, he didn't hit it hard enough. It's cool. Then he hits it, throws it again, hits it, I don't go down. I'm like, all right, this is going to be great. Um, and then we realized that the bar was in the wrong spot underneath. I should have just kept it there all night long. <laughs> so I got up, we moved the bar, and then I sat back down, and he throws it, and guess what? Yes. He actually missed the first one, I think. And I was like, okay, this is all right. And then 
I was wet right after that. And then the kids begged to get in, and so I was like, okay, um, you can get in. And all night long, there was a line. Everybody wanted to be dunked on the, at the dunk tank. So I think it's a normal thing. So Tony, GPS that place because we're doing it again next year. Two hundred twenty bucks, worth it, right? Uh, you know, it's an event that we did uh, for our community, and we had several people from our community. And it's funny that we don't really advertise much. We put a banner out there, and some people said, "Hey, we saw the banner." Um, Pastor Marcy dropped off little flyers at the library, and people came because they saw a flyer at the library. And Ashley posted on her mom's group out in Covington, and a few families came because they saw it on a mom's group. It's just an opportunity for us as the church, as representatives of Jesus, to love people and to let them know this is a safe place to come, that they are welcome to come as they are. And we had people come as they are. You know, and does that always go well? Not always. But we're going to love them just like Jesus loved us. Because it doesn't always go well with us either, right? So we had so many people. Uh, Marcy already thanked everybody for coming, so we really appreciate you guys doing that. Connecting with God is huge for us, but it doesn't stop there because connect, connection means that we connect with him, but then he asks us and actually places us in family called the church. And so he asks us to connect, tells us, you have a new connection now, and it's, it's the church. But then that doesn't stop here for us as the church. We're supposed to connect with those outside the church. And so my challenge to us over, as the summer is, man, I even hate to say these words, as summer is wrapping up, uh, how many more weeks? Oh, we've got plenty of time, okay? So as, as summer starts to wrap up a little bit, I want you to pray, like, God, how can I connect? How can we as a family connect with the community that you placed us in? And I just want to give you a quick example of maybe some of the things that you can do. Um, so we, I live in a small community called Wilkeson. Um, yes, it's about 29 miles from here. And um, it's a small, small, small town. Streets are narrow. Um, houses are weird and tight. Our house is built right, all, a lot of the houses were built right on the property line. So our house like lines up with our neighbor's garage. In fact, the neighbor's garage is part of our fence in our backyard. It's just the way they did the property lines back there, back then. And I was, we've been just praying, how, how can we connect with our neighbors? And... Now, not all of you have parents that play bluegrass music, but I do. And so we just thought, you know what, and we have a nice, cool little front porch, and our neighbors all have front porches, and we're like, you know what, let's do bluegrass on the porch, that's what we called it. And so we just told all our neighbors, hey, we're going to play, start about, about 6, 6.30, we're just going to play some music, and... Um, and some of our neighbors came out and gathered, and they even, they, they even started bringing instruments. <laughs> And um, we jammed for like two hours just playing old gospel music. And then Hank did bust out a few of the old, uh, old rock and roll stuff, which was kind of fun. A little Elvis, a little, uh, I don't even know some of the bands, but um, it was really fun. And just, just, yeah, 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 just loving our neighbors and letting them know that. And they know who, who I am and they know what I do. And for them to come and like, wow, they can actually have fun. They can actually have fun. Christians can have fun. And there's, there's a joy. In fact, 
Our neighbor across the street, she has a special nickname in our community. I won't get into that this morning, but we love her and her husband. And um, she came over. I was working out in the yard yesterday morning, and she came out and said, when are we doing it again? And so I said, next month. Okay, so next month we're going to do it again. Um, the, who's invited? You inviting the whole church? Okay. Fish and loaves, fish and loaves is what it's going to be. Um, yeah, I mean, we may have to move a block over to the park, but hey, if that's what it takes, that'd be fun. Um, I'll talk to Heather about that one. Okay. No, that'd be great. Yeah, we're going to do it next month. Just, just, so my encouragement is how can we connect with the community that God has placed us in? Because I believe that our sovereign God has placed you where you're at right now in the neighborhood that you're in. Um, and it might be just for a moment, but it might be for a while. I was in a neighborhood for 28 years. And um, I did have some connection in that neighborhood, but regrettably, I didn't have the connection I believe that I should have had in that community. And so I'm ask, I asked the Lord, I want to I grow. I want to change. I want to do what you ask me to do. So I, I encourage you. What does that look like? I don't know. October is coming. Um, I know some churches that do host home type things for, for uh, the night that people go out and kids get free candy. Um, and so they just make their house a safe place for the neighborhood kids to come and get a lot of candy. You know, and they go extra all out. Not scary stuff, but just, uh, just to bless their communities. So I don't know. There's all kinds of things that we can be doing. So I encourage you to do that. All right, well, we're living in unique times, and it may seem uh, hard right now, but God, right? We're living in hard times right now, but God. First Peter is full of but God moments. Peter's writing to a group of people that were saying that life is hard right now. No one cares, but God, Peter says, our Heavenly Father cares for us. We'll get to Bibles. Yes, you want to do, Andrea, our host, is holding up Bibles. If you want a Bible, um, we're going to get into, get into the Word. We're going to be in the Word quite a bit this morning. Anybody else need a Bible? She's got a bunch of them. Okay. We're in First Peter chapter 4 this morning, but I'm just doing a quick review about those but God moments that Peter's given us up to this point. Life is hard right now, the people he's writing to say, but God, our Heavenly Father, cares for us. Life is hard right now, but I really need a break. But God gives us mercy in abundance. Life is really hard right now, and I'm feeling alone, and I'm feeling left out. But God has chosen me to be his. Life is really hard right now, and I'm feeling way below average. But God has set me apart and made me holy. Life is really hard right now, and I'm concerned about what my future might be and what it might look like. But God has my future planned out for me. In fact, my inheritance is in him. It will never be taken away. My inheritance in him is forever. Life might be hard right now. And the circumstances I find myself in is not very good. In fact, it's kind of a bummer. <laughs> but God gives me 
inexpressible and glorious joy in him. It's important to know who our God is. So I just we're going to be a little interactive this morning, maybe not so much, but a little. We, it's important to know who our God is. And so what if we said, hey, fill this statement in. How would you continue the statement? It may seem hard right now, but God. How would you say that? It may seem hard right now for you, but God. What would you say? A few of you. But God loves me. Yes. God's got it. Yeah. I say that often. God's got you. He's got you. Yeah, Bill. Okay. But God has gone through. Jesus, the Bible says, has already gone through everything that we will face and everything that we will walk through, and he will get us to the other side. That's so good. Yeah. Oh, but I choose faith. Yeah. Grace, are you raising your hand? Oh. <laughs> I just, I saw the hand back there. So, Yeah, but God. So 1 Peter, if you're struggling a little bit, just go back and read through 1 Peter. There's all kinds of those moments where God shows up. And Peter just reminds us who our God is. The other thing that's really good for us to know is who we are. And it really does, but I, I, want, I did that in order and purpose because it's on purpose because it's really important that we put God first. It's important to know who our God is, and then it's important to know who we are. The problem is we have in our society even today is we have left God out. And so now we're trying to figure out who we are. And without God, we are a mess. I think we've all seen what a worldwide pandemic looks like. We all experienced it for the last two and a half years or so. It really did affect all of us. Whether you got COVID or not, it did affect you. But I believe that there's the pandemic that's here now for us, if we look around in our world, is a pandemic of identity. It's huge right now. Everywhere we turn, people are struggling to really know who they are. So it's gone from God, our creator, who made us and who is the one who defines us. And when we leave him out, what happened now is now the created ones are defining ourselves. Never, it was never supposed to be that way. We can't define who we are because we don't even know who we are without him. So it's important that we know who we are in him. What happens is this, this confusion brings insecurity, and then when insecurity shows up, it opens us up to um, all kinds of things that our minds will, will come up with and what other people's minds will come up with for us. So instead of letting God define us, we try to define ourselves, or we try to have society define who we are. And that's really messed up. So we need to have our feet set in the firm foundation of who our God is and then who we are in him. And that's what Peter's trying to tell us all throughout the passages that we've been studying. Really important to know who we are in him. And first of all, in Genesis chapter 1, we're made in his image. Genesis chapter 2 says that God, our Heavenly Father, formed us and breathed life into us. 
2 Corinthians 5, because after Jesus came and died for us on the cross, and because of after we were created, and God formed us, made us, breathed life into us, and placed us in a perfect place. And I'll, it's easy to blame Adam and Eve, but I'll just say we, because if I was in that garden, I would have messed up too. You might not have. Yes, you would have. We would have. Right? And so God had to do something. He sent Jesus. And because of what Jesus did on the cross for us, 2 Corinthians 5 says that we are new creations in Christ. So we're made in his image. He's, he's the one that gives us life. He's the one that made us. He's the one, so that means he defines us, who we are. And we're new creations in Christ. Ephesians chapter 1, just read it this week. It talks about who our God is and what he has done for us and who we are in him. Powerful. I'm not going to take full time to read it this morning. Ephesians chapter 2 says well, that we're saved by grace and that we are God's workmanship. That we are made by him. That he has plans for us. He's given us things to do. And then Psalm 139, I'm just going to read it to you this morning. We are going to get to 1 Peter, by the way. <laughs> yeah, Dana will be in it next week. But because of this crisis I believe that we're in right now as a society with identity, it's really important to know, again, who our God is, and it's important to know who we are in Him. And I think Psalm 139 just speaks volumes to us about who we are and what God has done for us. Psalm 139, I'm just going to read it, the whole thing to you. You have searched me, O Lord, and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise, you perceive my thoughts from afar, and you discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways, and before a word is on my tongue, you, O Lord, know it completely. Yeah, some of these are my favorite verses. You hem me in, behind and before, and you lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. And where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn and if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me in your right hand will hold me fast. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me, and even light, and e even the light become night around me, even the darkness will not be dark to you. <laughs> the night will shine like the day, and the darkness is as light to you. For you created my inmost being, and you knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and I'm wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful, I know it full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my own unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. How precious are your thoughts, O God! How vast are the sum of them! Were I to count them, they would outnumber the grains of sand. And when I awake, you are still with me. 
That's powerful stuff, isn't it? If you're struggling with identity, then I want you to read Psalm 139 because it says who you are in him, that you're known by him. The verse that says, you hem me in. I remember when, well, I'll just do this now because that won't cost me any money. Um, when once in a while we do get to watch the grandkids and, and play with them a little bit, and there's a blanket, you tuck them in tight. You know, they're laying there and you almost make a burrito out of them. You just like wrap the blanket underneath them all the way down. So they're almost like a mummy. You know, it's, okay, it's going to cost me a dollar. My son, when he was growing up, when he was little, he said, Dad, tuck me in tight. And you just make him a little burrito, you know. That's what this passage is talking about, that God, like, he, he tucks us in all the way around, that he hymns us in all the way around, that he's, he just, he's got us, that we feel safe. And then David really shows his humanity here. And I, the reason why I'm reading this is because when we get into First Peter this morning, at some point... Um, Peter talks about, hey, when trouble comes, and it will come. In fact, when Peter's writing to a group of people who are experiencing trouble, persecution for for their faith in Jesus, sometimes we can get rallied up and riled up, and then we go on the attack. And that's what David has this amazing moment with God. You hit me in. Your, Your thoughts are so wonderful. Then slay the wicked. How do you make that jump? David made that jump. And Peter is going to tell us, our natural, yeah, you're going to want to make that jump. You want, you're going to want to fight back. But we got to know that God is with us in the midst of the trouble. I mean, Jesus said, in this world you will have, yeah, you will have trouble. But God, take heart. Take heart. I have overcome the world. Amen. If only God, you would slay the wicked. Away from me, you who are bloodthirsty. They speak of you with evil intent. Your adversaries misuse your name and do not. Do I not hate those who hate you, Lord, and abhor those who are in rebellion against you? I have nothing but hatred for them. I count them my enemies. Sounds pretty harsh there, doesn't it? But then I think as David is writing this psalm, which is a song, as he's writing this song, I think he kind of sees that where he's going, like, wow, I'm getting angry here. All of a sudden, God, I don't believe I have your heart anymore because now he actually says, I have hatred for them. And so David begins the next verse by saying, God, search me. God, know my heart, test me, and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting. Important to know who our God is. Really, really important to know who we are in Him. I believe that helps us with our identity. Now, will we struggle still with our identity? I think we will at times. That's why it's so important to stay plugged in in the Word. So important to stay plugged in with Jesus, of course, but really it's important to stay plugged in in fellowship. Because on our own, we can wander. I mean, even groups can wander. But it's a little harder to wander as a group. It's a little bit more awkward to wander as a group. 
But groups do wander, so it's important for us to be able to share with one another, hey, I think we're supposed to be over here following Jesus instead of following ourselves. 1 Peter chapter 4. We're going to be talking about a little bit more suffering. That's what Peter talks about here. Or chapter 4, verse 12. Dear friends, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal that has come to you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice inasmuch as you participate in the suffering of Christ so that you may be overjoyed when his glory is revealed. If you are insulted because of the name of Christ, you are blessed. For the spirit of the glory, for the spirit of glory and of God rests on you. If you suffer, it should not be as a murderer or a thief or any kind of criminal or even as a meddler. However, if you suffer as a Christian, do not be ashamed, but praise God that you bear that name. For it is time for judgment to begin with God's household. And if it begins with us, what will the outcome be for those who do not obey the gospel of God? And if it is hard for the righteous to be saved, what will become of the ungodly and the sinner? So then, those who suffer according to God's will should commit themselves to their faithful creator and continue to do good. Lord, this morning as we, as we continue just to talk about your word and to talk about suffering for the kingdom, I pray that you would encourage our hearts, Lord. I pray that as we read passages from your word this morning, Lord, you would speak to us. That you give us insight and give us understanding this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Dear friends, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal that has come to test you as though something strange were happening to you. Peter's just reminding us that suffering is going to be part of the plan. Don't be surprised. Don't be caught off guard, but just know that it's part of the plan. The suffering that they were facing here is really persecution for their faith. But I think there's general suffering here that we, we just suffer this side of heaven. Physical suffering, just suffering. Just think of whatever it might be for you. And Peter's reminding us that, hey, don't, let it be, don't be surprised. But if suffering is part of God's plan, it's just part of helping us grow in him, but also then rejoicing is part of his plan. Because he says in verse 13, hey, because you, you know, you're suffering now, but hey, there's going to be a time where you rejoice. And it may be for a moments of time, this side of heaven, but man, when you see Jesus in his glory for who he is, no more suffering. And as I was reading this passage this, this week, I thought of Andy Dufresne. Raise your hand if you know who I'm talking about. Andy Dufresne. A couple of you. No. That was, yeah, it was close, Jody. I think he probably ran, so I guess you'd be right. He probably ran at some point, point in his life. 
There's a movie called Shawshank Redemption. I don't recommend it because it's R-rated. So, but watch the TV version. I saw the TV version. Like this is fantastic. Took it over to like my somebody's house and we watched it. Ooh, I just say watch the TV version. Okay, but it's about a guy named Andy Dufresne who was falsely accused of murder and was put in prison. And so he's in prison, and he decided, you know what, while I'm in prison, he kind of went through that woe is me moment, but then he decided, well, while I'm here, I'm going to try to make it better. Meanwhile, he's like planning his escape, how he's going to get out. And he spent 19 years in that prison, and it took him 19 years to tunnel to get to where he needed to go. And his escape to get out of the prison wasn't just like open doors. It wasn't just like he got to walk right out. He had to crawl through 500 feet of sewer. I mean, sewer. Okay, think about it. 500 feet, that's a football field and a half. And in this movie, at the very end, when he finally gets out of the sewer pipe, he lands in this like creek area, and it's pouring, I mean, literally just pouring down rain. And the joy on his face and the freedom and, and the rest. I just, I, I'm free. And he like raises his hands to the heavens. And it's cinematography people, the camera is like above him. And you see all the rain coming down. And he is just like the biggest smile on his face like, I'm free. That's what I believe Peter is talking about. The experience that we'll experience when we see Jesus is this just, I'm free. And I think, you know, you could do a whole sermon on that movie. You know, like, I mean, we weren't falsely accused. We are sinners. And we are locked up. But, really, you know, Jesus comes to set us free, and we crawl through all kinds of stuff this side of heaven. But there will be a day where we see him face to face, and then we will be free. Verse 14 through 16, Peter talks about being insulted, being persecuted for just for knowing Jesus and for following him. If you are insulted because of my name, because of the name of Christ, Peter says, you are blessed. How many of us feel blessed when that happens? But Peter says, you are blessed for the spirit of glory and of God rests on you. And then he talks about, okay, but you're not suffering like someone who is, is a convicted felon. You're suffering for being a Christian. But what I, verse 16, however, if you suffer as a Christian, which, what does the word Christian mean? It means like little Christ, like we represent him. If you suffer for being a representative of Jesus, praise God that you bear that name. Praise God that we bear his name. If we bear his name, we can deal with anything. If we know that he's on our side, we can deal with anything because he's with us. Going all the way back to the very beginning, it's important to know who our God is, that he's with us, that he's always with us no matter what trouble that we face. Even trouble that we get ourselves into, 
He's with us. I think the story of the prodigal son is a powerful one because it just gives us a different picture and view of who our father is. Because a lot of times we view our father as the one on the front porch waiting for us because we're busted. <laughs> and that he's angry. And as soon as we get home, it's, it's woodshed time. I think some of us view God that way. And when Jesus shared the story of the prodigal son, it blew people's minds because they couldn't quite grasp that, is that really how God is? That he does love me? That he does have a longing for me to come home? And, and when I do get home, that he will restore me to the place where I left? See, the prodigal son had everything that he needed, and he chose to walk away. In fact, he disrespected his dad because he said, I want my inheritance now. And what did the father do? Because he loved his son, he gave it to him. And what did the son do? He blew it. Blew it all. On wild living, the Bible says. But God, again, there it is. But God still loved his son. God still loves us when we walk away from him. But what happens is, what happened to the prodigal son? Did he just live it up and come back all super happy? He lived it up for a time, but then he was so miserable, so lost, so far away, the only job he could get was feeding pigs, which were unclean animals. And they weren't even supposed to be around pigs. As a Jewish person, you weren't even supposed to be around pigs, Not, let alone eat what the pigs were eating. Because you were so, didn't have anything. So for those of us who are followers of Jesus, there's going to be those times in our lives where, where people will ridicule you for your faith. And instead of like David in Psalm 139, just slay the wicked God. To have those moments in us where we say, man. Those moments really should drive us to our knees, not for ourselves, but that the eyes of those who are persecuting you or persecuting me for simply believing in Jesus, that their eyes would be opened so that they would know the Father that we know. So that they would have a relationship with Jesus like we have a relationship with him. And why does this suffering happen to us? Because Peter says here in verse 17, For it is time for judgment to begin. I mean, don't you, we look around in our world right now and say, God, why don't you do something? Anybody? You don't have to raise your hand. But I think many of us have watched the news and looked around. Yes, a few of you raised your hand anyways. A few of you, or all of us, we watch the news, we see what's happening, and we say the prayer, God, why don't you do something? Well, what does Peter say here in this passage? Where does God's judgment begin? Where does he start cleaning things up? He says he starts in the church. I'll just be real with you. 2020, when the whole COVID thing and all the craziness was going crazy, right? Man, people stopped going to church. Well, we were supposed to for a while. And many, over 30%, have not come back. Not just in our church. This is, I'm talking about across the country. 
And not just that, like, well, we don't need to go to church. They're just like, they walked away from faith. It's crazy to me. I mean, when hard times come, I, I have to press into Jesus even more. Because I, I have nothing without him. I am nothing, I have nothing without him. And so Peter says, hey, judgment starts with us as his church. God is going to call on us to make a difference. And so he's going to start with us. All right, so God, why don't you do something? He's doing something. He's working in his church. He's defining who we are in him. And he's making sure that we know who he is, and he's making sure we know who we are in him. It really does begin with us. And again, it should drive us to our knees as the church and pray. Not just for us as the church, but pray for those around us that don't know him. In verse 19, he wraps it up by saying, So then, those who suffer according to God's will should commit themselves to their faithful creator and continue to do good. So what happens when we're suffering? What are we supposed to do in the midst of all that? We're supposed to continue to pray. We're supposed to commit ourselves to our faithful creator, Peter says. And we're supposed to continue to do good. I love that. Sometimes I need to, I, I just say, God, would you just tell me what to do? Would you just show me what I'm supposed to do? Right here. Continue to pray. Pray that God's will be done and not my. Pray that God's will be done in me and around me. Stay committed to him. Be faithful to him. And then continue to do good. Let's stand. You know, this morning, I, I want to go all the way back to the very beginning and challenge us as, as a church, as the church. What, can we be do, what are we supposed to be doing in our community? What are you supposed to be doing as a follower of Jesus in your community, in the place that God has placed you? I know some of you are already doing stuff. I, I hear stories of you know, shopping for your neighbors. Some of you mow their yards. Some of you take them to appointments. That's huge. I just want to encourage us that, that Jesus' mandate to us to share good news with those all around us has not changed. Your neighbors need to hear good news. Your co-workers need to hear the good news of Jesus. And yes, I do believe it starts with the way we live and, and, and they observe it in us. But I also do believe that there's a time where, and I believe that the Holy Spirit will give us those times where we verbalize our faith in Him. And we speak truth in love and with compassion. And again, we should be, as individuals, we should be on our knees. I mean, I would say even literally be on our knees for our community. Asking that God would there... I mean, the Bible says that they've been blinded, that the enemy has blinded them 
And so we should be praying, God, would you remove the blinders and would you set captives free? <laughs> Jesus said he had, he had come to proclaim the good news. But then he actually asked us to do the same as, as his followers, as Christians who bear his name. Lord, I pray for a, an awareness this morning that those of us who call you our Lord and Savior would realize that we bear your name. We bear the name of the King of kings and the Lord of lords, the creator of all things, the master of this universe, the one who formed us from the dust of the ground and breathed life into us. That is the name who we bear. The one who came and walked among us and healed the broken and gave sight to the blind. And set those who were dominated by mental illness and even possession of the enemy, he set them free. He set them free. We bear that name. We bear the name of Jesus. And Lord, you said even... You said, I must go, and so the Spirit would come. The gift of God would come. And so your good news would be spread through many now, not just through one, but now through those who bear your name. Lord, I pray that you'd make us aware, again, that those of us who follow you who walk with you, we bear your name, that we would represent you. And Lord, we pray that same prayer. Lord, I pray that prayer that David prayed, God, search me and know me. God, know my anxious thoughts, know my struggles. But, but God, remind me that you're always there. When I wake up, you're right there. You're right there. No place I can go from you because you're right here with us. Give us a new awareness this week, God, of who you are and who we are in you. Give us a new awareness that we are the ones who bear your name, and may we represent you well. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. Love you all. Dana will be here next week to share the word with you. Amen.